to our very first Whiskey and Westerns on Wednesday pod show. My name is Mike King and the producer and writer of Wild West Podcast. Today we have with us Brad Smalley, uh, a noted passionate Dodge City historian and the narrator of our show. During each pod show, we will be talking about one or more of the legends of Dodge City. We will also take a few shots from one of our selected bottles of whiskey. Brad, welcome to today's show. Uh, What do you have in store for us this evening? Well, for lack of anything better, and trust me, there's not much better out there, uh, we're going to start with a bottle of scotch, believe it or not. Uh, The uh, Ardbeg 10, uh, aged 10 years. It's one of the Isla scotches, one of five distilleries on the uh, island of Isla in Scotland. It is a single malt. And uh, Mike, I'm ready to pour whenever you are. Oh, I'm ready for it myself. Why don't you get uh, Why don't you get me a little shot there, and we'll see what this Arbeg Ten tastes like. Well, now as uh, as of course you know, we uh, not the first time today we have sampled this. No, we had had a little bit um, prior to our show just to make sure that we didn't cough when we drank it. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, just a little bit of tasting notes. Uh, it's fairly clear for uh, for a single malt scotch. Uh, it's very light, uh, very airy, almost like a, a white wine. Uh, it is not subtle uh, for all of you scotch drinkers out there, if there are any. Uh, now I should add, of course, uh, since we are, of course, a Western, American Western podcast, uh, scotch... Not the most American of, of alcohols. However, like many scotches, Isla is aged in American bourbon casks. So there you have it. There's the American tie. That's, that's very good to know, Brad. You know, one of the things that has always been a mystery to me, uh, you know, we're drinking out of a glass here, and and you poured me a little bit more than a shot. But anyway, I was thinking about the shot glass. Can you tell me a little bit about the history of the shot and the shot glass? Because what I understand is that the, the Cowboys used to trade a bullet for a shot of whiskey, and that's why it was called a shot of whiskey. Is is there any truth to that, or is that myth? That's one of those great American Western myths, really. Uh, the story is great. I've used it myself, in fact. However, really nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, and we, we've done some research uh, in several different sources. Um, generally speaking... Mm. A, a shot of whiskey would run you about two bits, 25 cents. A specific Dodge City example, when uh, George Hoover opened up the first bar that became Dodge City, uh, he was selling a ladle, whiskey by the ladle, 
for 25 cents. Now, of course, we have no way of knowing how big his ladle was. No, we don't. But you but can imagine a ladle back in those days. Probably more than our standard uh, say shot in 2018. A cup of right. coffee out of that one. Uh, now, the uh, the price that we have, have figured is uh, in the 1870s, 25 cents would have bought you not one bullet closer to 10. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so bullets were cheaper then than uh, 25 cents. Well, life is a little bit cheaper than a shot of whiskey, I guess. I guess so. I guess so. All right. Well, I can tell you uh, that, that your fact and legend story really does not come close to the sweetness of my first shot of our bag. Uh, so... I'll beg you for uh, another one. <laughs> How about that? We've we've got a whole bottle to go, Mike. Okay, well, I want to take another shot of this, and we'll keep on moving here. Um, okay, one or more questions before we get started on the legendary character of the Old West. Why is peat needed for whiskey production, and how does the smoke flavor come into the whiskey? Well, in uh, in that part of Scotland, actually in in much of Scotland, one of their biggest natural resources is peat. Okay. Uh, now, peat is uh, it, it's almost sludge, really. It is decayed uh, vegetable matter that uh, over they put the course that in the whiskey or what? Uh, what they use to dry it out. Okay. Uh, it is whereas in many parts of the frontier they would use uh, say buffalo chips to start a fire. Very good. Any sort okay. of natural resource, something that could dry things out. Because this they would use taste, their peat. This doesn't taste grassy at all. Not in the slightest. No. Not in the slightest. Okay. What you're getting is the the smoke that dried out the barley mm. that they used okay. to make then the whiskey. Um much as they would just just any campfire, uh, the and there are several scotches out there that you can really tell that that campfire odor. You can really get that smoke. Uh, this is more of uh, almost more of an oily, an oily smoke. But that is that, that's really all it was used for is just to dry out the grain. Well, you know, just kind of taking a sniff of this, uh, you were talking earlier that it smelled a little like black pepper. Uh, there are lots of, of different tasting notes. We could do, <laughs> we could go probably another thirty minutes just, just talking about all the flavors sure. that we can get out of here. And uh, well, we did that a little bit before uh, before we even got started. Before on the show. we we came on the air, folks. Yeah, um, you know, we had a nurse <laughs> with us too, and and she was uh, talking about it smelled a little like a band aid. That is not uncommon uh, in a in a single malt scotch, especially not from the Isla scotches. Uh, I truly I don't know how else to describe that other than when you first open up a, a box of brand new band aids, you get that. Uh, we were talking also; uh, she was getting some of that uh, ether. Ether uh, was that was that in the, the nose or the the. Um, well, I, well, I get that what you're talking about. I almost get a little more menthol ah, okay. in there. And the more I'm thinking about that kind of Band-Aid, uh, I, it's almost turning into beeswax All right. for me. It's getting explain. that. You mentioned the, the sweetness, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it is very sweet. Uh, it's really turning into beeswax along with that that fruit. Uh, I'm getting pear. Uh, yeah, some little pear, pear out of here. here. Yeah. A little uh, black pepper. And black pepper, lime. Mm-hmm. 
I'm just wondering if we're going to need a Band-Aid after we get through with this. But anyway, let's get started with, um, uh, you know, we I just had my second shot of Arbeck 10. And, uh, so let's talk a little bit about uh, Legends of Dodge City, because after all, this is uh, Whiskey and Westerns on Wednesday, right? It is a city and, founded by whiskey. Uh, we might as well. Absolutely. So we need to maybe bring in some famous character that we know about in Dodge City. Do you have a special character in mind for tonight's show? In fact, I do. Given the uh, the nature of what a nice glass of whiskey you'll do with uh, with a group of friends, sort of brings out the good humor in us all, don't you think? Oh, I think so. And if I take one more of these, which I probably will here in a minute, but <laughs> we, go right ahead. Tell us about... Will, I'll tell you, nobody in Dodge City, and I do mean nobody, had a better sense of humor than a feller by the name of Luke McGlue. Luke McGlue. Now, Luke that McGlue. sounds kind of like an Irishman. It might have been, uh, except for the fact that he never did exist. Well, I can tell you this Arbeg 10 exists, and that's Irish. It, well, it's Scottish. But Scottish. close enough. Oh, well, it's a different country then, right? Uh, the same so basic maybe he people. was Scottish instead of Irish. It, it could have been, but... Uh, <laughs> The fact remains, he was a completely fictional character. Oh, so, okay, so... See, now, Luke was... To put the easiest spin on it, Luke was the scapegoat for all of the practical jokes that happened in and around Dodge City during that time. Well, that, would that be because of the whiskey? Well, now, see, as violent a town as Dodge City was in those early days, the boys in town needed a way to let off a little steam. Now, practical jokes, good-natured as they might have been, sometimes things got a little rough. Now, when things start getting rough, you need somebody to blame. Okay. Now, if you need somebody to blame that you can find, that's a, little, that, that's a bit of a problem because then you've got potential for violence. So what they did was they created a feller by the name of Luke McGlue. Now, say dirty words are painted on the water tower. Or say your mule gets stolen in the middle of the night. Or say a, a traveling salesman shows up and loses all of his cigars during a showroom. Well, if that happens, you need to find a scapegoat. Well, go find Luke McGlue. Luke's probably got your mule. So what you're saying... Luke was real hard to find. What, you, what you're saying is, this guy was all made up. Purely made up, completely fiction. When they pulled a practical joke on a citizen in Dodge City, they just said, who did it? And they named... Luke McGlue. Luke McGlue. Oh, we aren't. Yeah. So, can you tell us one of the stories about Luke McGlue and <laughs> some one of the practical jokes? And what, what year are we talking about? Are we talking about 1872, 1877? Oh, by the late 1870s. Uh, late 1870s, uh, he's becoming more popular. Is he becoming popular among a certain group of people, the practical jokers? Or who, who's he becoming popular with. Most of the folks that you've heard of from Dodge City, folks like the name of Bat Masterson, uh-huh. to a lesser extent even wider, Chocolate Beeson, owner of the Long Branch Saloon, these were big players in the Luke McGlue crowd. So they were the practical jokers, the leaders of the town, the Amer- were, were the Am- actually making practical jokes on the citizens? Exactly. And then blaming it on, on a- Luke McGlue. Luke McGlue. 
The wow. West never had a greater practical joker than Bat Masterson. So he was back. Bat Masterson, wasn't he like the a law leader or oh for a, for a time in Dodge? Or? He was uh, he was county sheriff. Uh, he was deputy sheriff in the early days from eighteen seventy six on. Uh, county sheriff was about the the peak of his his law enforcement career, but. He was Bat, out there playing jokes on Bat him. had a sense of humor like no other. Oh, we are. So you have a particular story you want to uh, share with us about Luke McGlue, maybe Bat Masterson and a practical joke that he pulled uh, that he blamed on well, uh, there, Luke McGlue? there's a few. Uh, there's, there's a good many of them that probably uh, we might not want to tell in mixed company. <laughs> but one, but one of my favorites. Well, wait, hold on, just a second. This is my favorite here. I'm taking another shot. Absolutely. This we've got a whole another bottle of Another bottle of Mike, Mike, didn't you tell me a minute ago that I'd already poured you more than you wanted? Well, see, that's what happened when you poured me more than I wanted. Now I want more uh, whiskey and friends, and practical jokes. There we go. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Can I help you with any? Uh, you might as well. Top okay, me off. Here we go. This is going to be a good story. So. Well, All I right. hope you don't fall out of, your, out of your chair there, my friend. Okay, here we go. So Luke McGlue, Bat Masterson, and the Practical Jokes in Dodge gr- City. One of the greatest involves a traveling salesman with the unfortunate name of Dr. Meredith. My name is Koji. And I'm Michelle. And this... This is the Japanese America podcast. So this is where we look at all things Japanese American. We will bring alive the history, culture, and people that make up this diverse community. In this month's episode, we'll examine Koji's unique family history. To help bring this story alive, we brought on actor and comedian Derek Mio. He was reported to be extremely pro-Japanese and anti-American in sentiment. Her husband was taken into custody by the military authorities under a warrant authorized by the Secretary of War, who was his enemy of the United States. He was my grandfather on my dad's side. To hear more stories about Japanese America, you can listen to this podcast anywhere you normally download your podcast. Well, was he a traveling salesman? Or was he he, a doctor? (laughs) At that time, you're splitting hairs on the difference between the two. So he was a traveling salesman. He, of a he was okay. he was claiming to be a medical man. What he was doing was selling information. Okay. He wrote ahead to Dodge City, and in his letter he asked if there was anyone in town who might be interested in hearing a lecture on, uh, shall we say, private diseases. Well, would that be something you would be embarrassed about back in those days? Most generally, even then, yes. Okay, okay. Uh, given the uh, the leading occupation in many of the saloons and dance halls at that time, private diseases were a bit of an issue. So that would be something that the men of Dodge City would be interested in hearing. It, potentially, yes. Okay. And see, even at that time, Dodge City was in the newspapers nationwide. People knew Dodge City. No Dodge City. They, they knew its, its reputation, okay. and this Dr. Meredith thought... He was going to solve some of those problems. If nothing else, he could make some money off uh, of these Western Kansas sad sets. Gotcha. Well, Luke McGlue wrote him back a letter and said, Dr. Meredith, 
I would be very interested in hearing what you have to say. <laughs> so Luke wrote this letter. Luke wrote this Did letter. Did he sign it with his name? Like uh, he must the, have. But he the, must doctor, have. the good doctor believed it, right? The good doctor believed that at least one man was interested, and uh, of course he assumed that once he got there, a crowd would gather as as things are known to happen. So Dr. Meredith got himself on the train and came out to Dodge City. And uh, Bat, uh, Mr. Masterson, some of the other leading citizens of the town, they got together and they set him up uh, a little lecture hall in one of the saloons. Was that the Lady Gay saloon? Uh, it was the Lady Gay. In fact, one of the one of the more notorious. We've got a lot of stories about the Lady Gay. We may want to buy ourselves a few more bottles of whiskey if we really want to come. Well, the Lady that's Gay. for episodes to come. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Stay but tuned. Right now, we're we're talking about the Lady Gay saloon, Doctor Meredith, and Luke McGlue and Bat Masterson all being involved in this. Absolutely. Uh, these diseases that these. They uh, now now Luke McGlue. Had uh, had been able to gather up quite a crowd to come uh, and come and hear Doctor Meredith. They set him up a podium back there on the performance stage for the Lady Gate, <clears throat> and uh, of course, Mister Masterson and Wyatt Earp happened to be the. I, I don't want to use the term referees. Uh, they were the they, well, they were there. Uh, wearing their badges just to make sure that there no disturbances. Just to keep order. To keep but, order. Just right. in case somebody was insulted by a, a de- disease that they may have not known about. Everyone right? understood Dodge's reputation. You needed some some enforcement just in case. They were the just in case squad. Well, and everybody carried a gun too, right? Or did they? Well, they, they weren't supposed to. But laws were a little bit lax on the south side of the railroad tracks, which happens to be where the Lady Gay was situated. Let's see, okay. Luke was pretty pretty active on the south side of the railroad tracks. I'll, I'll say it that way. Well, now, once this crowd had gathered, Mr. Bat Masterson stood up. He addressed the crowd. He introduced Dr. Meredith. And he warned all the boys sitting out there in the, uh, the makeshift lecture hall, says... Pay due respect to Dr. Meredith. So he, he, he kind of said, hey, I'm the authority. I am the you, authority. You respect You don't believe me? Guy. Look at the badge. Okay, you folks gotcha. know me. All right. You know what I want to do. You know I won't tolerate any troublemaking. So don't make no trouble. Sit. Mind your manners. Listen to what Dr. Meredith has to say. It'll do you some good. So they just sat out there like good old cowboys. They sat out there, ears open, ready ready to be entertained, if nothing else. Well, the good Dr. Meredith got up, up to his podium, and none the wiser, he started delivering his lecture on private diseases, their causes, their treatment, that sort of thing, how to avoid them. Perhaps mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that might have been a. a, a was there a topic. lot of cowboys crossing their legs at that time? Uh, there may have been. You, you might think. You might think. Uh, if nothing else, there might have been some. Well, I would go into there. Feelings Unco- there. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, yeah can, one of those itches you just can't scratch, right, sort of thing. Right. Well, uh, as they're listening to Doctor Meredith, of course, everybody knew that somewhere in the crowd, Luke McGlue was was biding his time. Until all of a sudden, somebody in the back row stood up and told Dr. Meredith he was full of crap. Oh, boy. Boy. Somebody smarter than the doctor, huh? Well, naturally. Yeah. 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 Who isn't? 
And, of course, then the ruckus started. Uh, people started arguing with each other, and one side started fighting arguing against the other side. Dr. Meredith started turning beet red from the neck up. And things started getting out of hand. Bat Masterson, of course, calm, cool, and collected man that he was, stepped down into the crowd, addressed the situation. He said, boys, sit down and shut up. Well, that would be the law of talking to the cowboys who were rowdy, right? Exactly. Well, Luke McGlue's still in the audience somewhere. Luke's out there. Yeah. Luke's out there. Okay. He he tells him, he says, again, sit down, shut up, mind your manners. I'm not going to tell you again. He returns the podium to Dr. Meredith. Said, Dr. Meredith, please continue. And Dr. Meredith, at the invitation, he continued his discussion. And uh, it wasn't more than a few minutes before an outbreak starts again. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, Dr. Meredith apparently said something that infuriated one of, the, one of the cowboys. It may have been Luke himself. We don't know. History doesn't record exactly who it was that, that stood up and but started shooting his mouth off. the got mad and got upset. They started going off on each other and uh-huh. on Dr. Meredith and calling him just every name in the book and each other. And I mean, it was just short of guns being drawn. And Mr. Masterson, of course, seeing the situation starting to escalate, once again gets down, goes out to the crowd and says, boys, this is your last opportunity. So he must there have will, said that in a very firm way. Oh, absolutely. And when Bat Masters and Bat had a reputation going all the way back to Adobe yeah, Walsh, so I mean, knew guy, right? they knew he wasn't a man to trifle right. with. And of course, meanwhile, Mister Wyatt Earp is sitting back there, knowing full well what was going on. See, Wyatt knew Wyatt had hung around with Luke a time or two as well. He he knew the situation. Wyatt's trying not to smile. And, of course, so is Mr. Masterson. He's, he's being as hard as he can while trying to hide the smirk, at least from Dr. Meredith. See, he's got his back to Meredith this whole time. <clears throat> Last time, he says, boys, I'm not going to tell you again. Sit down, keep your mouth shut, mind your manners, and pay attention. Returns the podium to Dr. Meredith. Third and final time, Dr. Meredith continues his lecture by this time, he's getting a mite nervous. Words are starting to break. He's looking around the room, just wondering which which one of these fellers might be Luke. Which one is going to start to ruckus the next time? And the second the Dr. Meredith stops paying attention, up jumps somebody, starts yelling back at Dr. Meredith, pulls his gun out, shoots the light out, guns start blazing. The room goes pitch black. The, the lamps are gone. Gunfight. It's it's pandemonium. So we got sparks in the air, lights out totally. Pitch, in the, pitch black. In the saloon. Gunfire, gun see. smoke. Absolutely. It's just like pandemonium. Absolute pandemonium. Pure chaos. Finally, Bat Masterson once again, court Earp has to join in this time. They, they corral the crowd, they subdue them. Find a light, turn a lamp back on, and they look around, and Dr. Meredith is nowhere to be found. So the guy they, just disappeared. They start hunting around the room. Finally, they see his tail end sticking out from behind the podium. Oh, oh that must have been... Had a shot through his hat. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. 
Bat that gets, got pretty close. Bat gets down on his knees. Oh, oh yeah. Well, this is the standard practical joke for Dodge City. I mean, it's, a shot through it's, hat. I don't want to say this was necessarily tame, but it was probably middle of the ground. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, so, no one actually so got hurt. Okay. So nobody really ever got hurt, but it got close to being hurt. If it didn't get close, it's not a good practical joke. Oh, I got you. So it just scared that. It scared the holy hell out of Dr. Meredith. Gotcha. Bat gets down on his hands and knees. He apologizes profusely to Dr. Merritt. He said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. He said, this is just not working out. I apologize. I don't know what's gotten into these boys. We're going to try this again. We're going to put you up in the Dodge house. We're going to get you a nice hotel room. And we're going to come back. We're going to give you the Dodge City treatment all day tomorrow. And tomorrow night... We're going to do this all over again, and we're, going to, and we're going to do it right. Oh, okay. So now, after he's got a whole shot through his head, Bat Masterson's actually telling him that we're going to do another night of this? We're going to give it another shot. Well, see, he doesn't want to seem inhospitable. Well, of course not. I mean, that's what Do- Dodge is. At his best, Dodge yeah. was known as very hospitable. Yeah, no. If to anybody that came into town, they would Absolutely. Do it. Yeah. Absolutely. They roll out the red copper. Well, Dr. Meredith, still shaking, thanks Mr. Masterson. He eyeballs the hole in his hat, returns the hat to his head, and as stiffly and proudly as he can, takes his case, takes his briefcase, all of his papers, and walks out the front door across the street to the Dodge House Hotel. The next morning... They go to find him, try to set up an appointment for that evening, and Dr. Meredith has already boarded the train and is gone from Dodge City, never to be seen or heard from again. Well, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure glad they, well, I hope they didn't sell tickets that morning for that event because that probably would have been in some what of a dilemma on what, who was going to make the next speech. But anyway, that's a great story, Brad. That's one of my favorites. Enjoy that. So we're going to have to talk a little bit more down the road about uh, more whiskey, of course. Oh, absolutely. And we're going to have to have more legends, of course. Well, one thing Dodge is not short on is whiskey and legends. We got a lot of whiskey to look at, drink at. Absolutely. And then we have a lot of legends to talk about. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do this every Wednesday, right? We are. Well, that's a good thing. Whiskey and Westerns on Wednesday. Going to make this very simple. We do two things. We drink whiskey and talk about the American West. Well, if you want to hear a story about uh, the legends of Dodge City, join us on the Wild West Podcast. You can do a Google search, Wild West Podcast. uh, And we will be here every Wednesday for you guys just testing out a new whiskey. And also listen to our show whiskey and westerns uh and then of course join us for the luke mcglue story at the wild west podcast this week on wednesday whiskey and westerns we want to thank you for listening to our pod show thank you